is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And I'm Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 478, recorded Thursday, March 26th, 2020. It sure is. Uh, welcome to the program, everyone. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well out there. Jason, how are you doing? You still okay? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Hanging how in about there. you? Yeah, hanging in there. I'm feeling a little tired and a little bit run down, but not in a sick way, I think in just a, I should probably go to bed earlier tonight way and get up feeling fresh and refreshed tomorrow. Yep. 5am my friend. It's oh. time I get up now Jeez. so I can get some work done before the rest of my family gets up. Oh my God. That is early. I am not getting up at 5am. I've been using this time at home, even though I've been technically working from home. Uh, I don't have to commute anywhere, right? So I've been sleeping in more than usual, getting up at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, and then rolling downstairs to get to work. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, it's, no wonder you're tired. You're sleep drunk. I'm oversleeping probably, yeah. Yeah. Look that up. It's a thing. Sleep drunk. If you sleep too much, you uh, feel groggy and crappy. What you need, my friend, is less sleep. Okay. So I should stay up <laughs> till 2 watching Netflix and then get up at 7. Uh, well, that might be not quite enough. It's between, uh, seven and nine hours is, is our ideal as adults. So, uh, if you can get seven hours or eight hours, then you're golden. Any more than that, you're just fucking yourself over. Okay. Well, I don't want to do that. So I'll, I'll see what I can do about it, but you know, doing okay. And as I said, I hope everyone out there is still okay and getting through this a little bit. Uh, things still seem to be going off the rails, but God, I hope things start turning around soon for, for all of us. It's a marathon, not a sprint. This is, uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. I'm afraid. It's kind of unfortunate. All right. Well, we are here to do our listener feedback for the last episode of The Walking Dead. But first I want to mention the ratings and I got some good ratings news actually, Jason. Really? This episode had 3.66 million viewers, which, uh, is now two weeks in a row that the ratings have increased or the number of viewers have increased. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week, but trust me, two weeks in a row now that they've they've gone up. And in fact, 3.66 is the highest ratings of any episode in season 10 other than the premiere. Well, so, I guess everybody's at home. I guess so, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> at home watching TV. What else are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, maybe that explains it, but either way, it's good news. Um, I think you could also say that people are hearing through the grapevine that the show has been really good and they want to tune in again and see what's so good about it now. Because they have time. <laughs> I guess because they have time, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anyways, we'll see if that trend continues for uh, two more episodes, I guess. Um, because if you recall, they're not going to be airing episode 16 until later this year. Unfortunately, because due to the virus, they can't get it finished in time uh, because mm -hmm. people aren't able to come and work on it. So. That's a bummer, but uh, before we, you know, worry about that anymore, let's do some listener feedback. Sure, sure. Listener feedback. Okay, we've got a couple here to start off with that have to do with last week's episode, which was called uh, Walk With Us. And again, because we didn't do feedback last time, I thought I'd throw these in here just to get us started. They're both about a specific topic, and the first one is a call from Lisa. 
Hi Chris, hi Jason, this is Lisa from Queensland in Australia. Um, just um, for feedback on the episode, Walk With Us, um, absolutely loved it. It was fantastic, 10 out of 10 um, for all the reasons you guys described in the podcast. Uh, it was just amazing. The only thing I wanted to add was um, while Carol can sort of appear a little bit like a hero at the moment, um, same with Negan, I'm just wondering how people are actually going to react in Alexandria um, to what's happened um, to, and especially between Carol and Daryl because Carol had sort of promised Daryl that there were no secrets and she would talk to him about everything and she's kind of really in a way betrayed him or at least at the very least lied to him um, or deceived him is probably the right word. I think that in in killing um, Alpha, uh, that's really, really going to enrage Beta. I mean, if we think we've seen, um, you know, angry Beta, uh, I don't think we've seen anything yet. He's going to be full on um, out of control um, rage when he finds out that Alpha's dead. And that could potentially really backfire and have some really dire consequences for Alexandria because Beta's going to be out for blood. I mean, he just, you know, he's, he want, he'll, he'll want revenge and um, I think he'll just want to destroy everyone. So um, that could be a downside to, to what's happened and I just wonder if some of the other Alexandrians, um, particularly, as I said, Daryl, how they're going to feel about it all. Um, yeah, keep up the show, guys. You do a fantastic job and, um, yeah. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Bye. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa. Jason, why don't you read the next one here too as well? Because they're more or less on the same topic and then we'll talk about it. Sure, 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 sure. So we have an email from Andy in Germany. And he writes, I don't see how Negan is an Alexandrian now. It was never the intention of the community community leaders to kill Alpha. They could have easily done this in a meeting with Alpha. The intention of the Alexandrian council was to eliminate the Horde. Only Carol's intention was to kill Alpha. She betrayed her friends by freeing Negan. Negan sacrificed many lives at Hilltop, Hilltop to achieve Carol's goal, revenge. The logical reaction would be to treat them both as traitors. Yeah, so both uh, Lisa's call and Andy's email sprung from me, I think, um, saying that, you know, Negan is an Alexandrian now. He has gone and done what they want what they couldn't do and basically helped them a great deal by killing off alpha but i can see the points here made by andy and lisa in that carol specifically um more or less kind of betrayed the trust of daryl by not telling him what she was doing not letting him in on her plan and going rogue essentially um and not really coming into line with what the Alexandrian council was doing. So on one hand, she has, she's betrayed Daryl in a way, which he might not be very happy about. And on the other hand, she's kind of gone behind the backs of everybody at Alexandria, which they might not be very happy about and could have a negative reaction to. So not only is, um, not only will Negan be possibly not, you know, automatically welcomed into the community as a member now because you've helped us, you've saved us and so on. But 
potentially Carol has ostracized herself a little bit as well. So I may be way off in my initial thinking about them coming back heroes and everyone going, hooray, you killed Alpha and we're all good now. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little story about a lovable rogue named Han Solo. Oh, please do. <laughs> so Han Solo's a, he's chaotic good, right? The overall, right. he wants to do good, but he doesn't do good in the, uh, the, the normal way that everybody would, like somebody that's lawful good would do. So at the end of Star Wars, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to spoil Star Wars. Uh, is I assume that's okay. At least you warned everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Beforehand instead of afterwards. So, you know, Han Solo buggers off just before the raid on the Death Star and is like, where are you going? He's like, well, I got to I got my money. We delivered the princess. I'm outie. And he takes off and he comes back, but he saves the day in the end, right? Yeah. He, uh, he, you know, he comes back, he is doing the right thing, but would it have helped the initial assault if, uh, if Han Solo brought the Millennium Falcon to bear, uh, on the initial, uh, trench run and the, uh, the assault on the Death Star would less fighter pilots have died because the Millennium Falcon was there? Maybe. Maybe, but maybe not, because I would argue that him coming in at the last minute is an element of surprise that they didn't see coming. So is this. Yeah. Right? This is an element of surprise. So it's, it's uh, it's the chaotic good thing that we have here. And then we were working in tandem here. Carol's doing it with Negan and it's, uh, it's, she's not saying anything, but she wants to do the right thing and she thinks she's doing the right thing, but she would not get permission to do the right thing. So she's, uh, trying it a different way. So is it right for Carol, but wrong for Han Solo or the other way around? And look at Poe and spoiling a more recent uh, Star Wars movie. He (laughs) does the same thing. He goes rogue. He disobeys orders in order to achieve a goal and he gets shit all over for doing it. Right. Was he wrong? Probably. But because he didn't follow the rules, but you know, he uh, ultimately achieved his goal. Uh, So I don't know. It's, it's the, it's the nature of people that are chaotic good. They just, they go their own way. Uh, they do their own thing. Sometimes their goals are achieved. She's been, uh, uh, you know, she's been, she was kicked out, uh, exiled for doing this very same thing before. Right. And then she came back and saved the day just like Han Solo before. So maybe she is, uh, doing the Han Solo thing again. Well, I mean, it's a a pattern of behavior for her at the very least, which they should be able to recognize by now, maybe. Yeah. And in a normal society, having somebody who's predictable and dependable is, uh, just as important as achieving goals, right? Whereas, uh, in the zombie apocalypse, maybe someone who is a bit roguish and does things their own way, but, uh, achieves the goals that, uh, they set out to do and maybe makes life a little bit better. Uh, maybe in this case, the ends do justify the means. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say here, that maybe the ultimate outcome is all that matters at this in this type of arrangement, in this society, and and in this situation. She ends up doing something that, you know, is difficult to argue is not beneficial to everybody. She she cuts the head off of the enemy organization, which I still think for the Whisperers is going to induce their falling apart as an organization. Obviously, we still have Beta as what, what Lisa was talking about, and this is going to... This is going to turn Beta into a killing machine. And he's, yeah, or at least he, that's what he's going to want to do. And he's a dangerous guy. We already know he can sneak into Alexandria undetected through his magic tunnel and wreak havoc. So I do think they're probably going to be in some serious Beta trouble for the short term. Um, 
but at the end of the day, maybe the council will see Carol's actions as annoying, but ultimately beneficial. Right. I mean, Beta's, uh, I think he's a combination of a hill giant and a mole and a flying squirrel. Because right, he fell down that, air, air, uh, that elevator shaft without any real issues. Uh-huh. Uh, he also got uh, his stomach raked open by that whatever weapon that, uh, um, what's her name, had. That doesn't help me. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on. But uh, <laughs> so he heals very quickly and he's got all kinds of secret powers uh, and he's famous. So, you know, famous people can do whatever they want. And uh so the other thing I wanted to say was uh, having a cult of personality like the Whispers that have a very definitive leader in Alpha, mm-hmm. right? Because Alpha is all power emanates from Alpha's personality. Yeah. So having someone uh, cutting off the head of the snake or decapitating or you know getting rid of the head of an organization, it depends on the structure of the organization, whether it falls apart. If it's a cult of personality like this one, there's a very real chance the whole thing will just fall apart and Alpha, or sorry, Beta will be uh, a lone rogue now. But like Alexandria or even the Hilltop or uh, any organization where it's not, it's a, it's a bunch of people that uh, believe in the community and believe in the structure that they've built. If somebody at the top dies, somebody's going to step up and fill in that role and then we'll continue on. There might be a bit of a power struggle, but uh, ultimately someone's going to take over that leadership role. In the case of the Whispers, I'm not sure that's possible. Well, I, you say that, but I mean, what we learned from Mary is that she was all in on this um, survival of, of the community, right? Until she wasn't. And like if everybody, all, if all the whisperers feel like she did before she decided to defect, they may, this, this could strengthen them. This could bring them together. And if they, if they still have Beta who somehow steps up, and becomes that that leader or fills in the hole where Alpha was, like, could this make them stronger? Well, Beta, uh, sorry, Gamma was doing it for Alpha, right? Yeah. It wasn't that she was doing it necessarily for the community. She wanted to yeah. uh, do this for Alpha. It was the desire to please Alpha that was her uh, her primary goal. Yeah, that's I, true. That's the impression I got. So, you know, if that that if everybody feels that way and there's no Alpha to please anymore, uh, and Beta's not really, uh, you know, a personality where you want to please him. Most likely, everybody's like, you got to stay away from that guy. You got, <laughs> you got to do what Alpha wants because she's in control of Beta, and Beta is the uh, the sword of the, uh, you know, of of Beta's or Alpha's sword arm. So he is pointed at things, and those things die. Yeah, that's basically a weapon. So I, I have my doubts. There's but the. Other- I, and I also think that ultimately in this show, uh, I think the, the, I don't know how it happened in the comics or what happened in the comics, but I, I got a very f- firm impression that the whispers are going away. Well, yeah, the whispers are going away at some point. I mean, I don't know exactly how the TV show is going to handle it, but um, the other, the last thing I w- wanted to say that I just thought of is there's nothing for now so far that indicates to us that the greater whisperer community will immediately know that alpha has been killed right beta could probably step into a leadership role in the very short term without them realizing that alpha's not there and has been killed off so he could lead them into some sort of battle or attack or whatever before they realize 
that they've lost their ultimate leader. And when they yeah. do, maybe it'll still fall apart. But, you know, who these things are all happening very quickly. So yeah. I feel like that's a possibility as well. And even Beta doesn't know so far as we know, right? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. He doesn't even know. So nobody knows. She's just, she's just dead. They, she went off with Negan and Negan buggered off and where's, where's Alpha? I don't know. Yeah. She's in, in that toilet ditch still somewhere and, uh, hasn't come back for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She went to take a crap and, uh, she's been gone a long time, but that's not entirely abnormal. So we'll right. give her some, we'll give her some space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be okay. All right. Well, I have an email here from Michael in Ozark, Missouri, that is again related, but more on the Negan side of things. And Michael says, so everyone keeps talking about Negan proving his himself to our survivors. I got news for you. If this guy bludgeoned my spouse's head like that, or even my good friend's head, he ain't ever getting my trust or loyalty. I do not think I could be around that guy. I would have a hard time letting him even live. I don't think time could ever heal that wound. And I'm curious of your thoughts. Could you forgive this guy if he bashed your wife's head to a pulp and then let him become a part of your community? Well, the answer is, of course not. But, I mean, it's a sliding scale, right? If somebody slaps you and then hands you a hamburger, you know, are they a bad guy? They were for slapping you, but then they give you a hamburger. So, you know, they can't be all bad. No, nobody's all bad. I'm especially- Nobody's all bad. Give you a hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I stole your dog, but here's a pizza. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, that there's bad and good. So he's doing bad, obviously. He did bad. You know, he bashed in some people's heads and he killed some other people. And he's an obviously evil guy. And, uh, but now he's doing some good. Uh, would I trust him? Absolutely not. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't forgive someone for that. It's pretty hard. I mean, they say time heals all wounds, but that is a pretty deep wound. Yeah. And the thing and about he- Negan is, he does what he thinks is in his own best self-interest, right? At the time, bashing in some heads was what he needed to do. Now, his self-interest is being accepted by a community, and he's doing this to try to gain that acceptance. Whether it works or not, I don't know. Whether the people will be even open to it, I don't know. But, you know, when you think about it, who did he kill in that lineup? It was uh, Glenn and Abraham, yep. right? In that lineup, yeah. In then there was a whole war. Well, of course, there was a whole war. But I'm, you know, speaking specifically to Michael's question, bashed in heads, Glenn and Abraham. So, you know, Rosita and Eugene are still around, and they were good friends with Abraham. Mm -hmm. Um, Glenn, I mean, Maggie's gone. Rick is gone. You know, Daryl's still around, but Glenn's closest comrades (laughs) are no longer part of the community. So the new people or the people that weren't as close to him might be a little more forgiving, especially after six years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to find out. That's for sure. True. And, uh, I, you know, there's very little chance of him finding a pizza. So maybe his chances aren't great. Why is it always food? If if I give you food, will you like, forgive me for anything? Well, no, like we've established that, but I'm, I'm, you know, (laughs) I won't think that you're all bad. Okay. (laughs) What happens if I yeah, give you, you know, two pizzas? Oh, you see, this is, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all a sliding scale. You know how they say that a, a way to a man's heart is via a pizza, right? I think it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be something like that. All right. Well, good. Uh, that was, that was great. I'm, I'm glad I, I, I brought all these up from last week. Cause I think that was an interesting, uh, little bit of analysis there. 
Yeah. If I do say so myself. (laughs) You do say so yourself, and you you may. All right. All right. So we're moving on to what we become now, right? Indeed. Indeed. First, we have an email from Jen in California. I feel really conflicted about this week's episode. While overall engaging, I hated that they set us up for a storyline that we'll never see resolved in the show itself. While we suspected we she'd be off to look for Rick, it would have been more satisfying to me to see Michonne walking off into the sunset with her Walker pets rather than on a cliffhanger that we only that we can only hope the movies will resolve. Speaking of which, are these movies ever going to happen? Well, that's a very very good question, Jen. And one thing I want to be clear about though uh, is because on the last podcast I floated this idea that Michonne is going to be in the Rick movies. Um, at the time, and I think even still now, that was just me. I don't believe there's anything official stated there. Um, although coming up a little bit later, I do have a bit more information, um, on, uh, the future of Michonne and stuff like that. But I don't believe there is anything officially stating that Michonne will show up in the Rick movies or any other Walking Dead show or return to this show, um, in any way. So... I can see how the way they ended it here for Jen is a little bit annoying, especially if you just watch The Walking Dead and not fear or have any other, you know, interest in some of the other more expanded Walking Dead stuff because, yeah, she walks off on a mission and you're never going to find out how that's resolved. That that would annoy me too a little bit actually now that I think about it. Yeah, and I guess uh, on some level, I was also hoping that uh, Michonne would, you know, create a couple of new pets and walk off into the sunset, you know, uh, in like Michonne, out like Michonne. I think that would have been really, really nice. Yeah, I'm. They, it would have been way less difficult to swallow that, knowing you know the relationships she has on on the program with the other characters. But I, I can see if she somehow remained throughout all these years, kind of a lone wolf amongst the crowd. That's how she showed up and that's how she leaves. Um, I think that would have been pretty unsatisfying at this point. But at the same time, you know, Jen makes a good point here that uh, going off to do something and you're never going to find out if she's successful or even how it goes. That's kind of sucky. Well, yeah. And that's exactly how Rick left too, right? He left in a helicopter that they've been building up for quite some time. You know, these helicopter people, who are these helicopter people? We should find out who the helicopter people are. And then, uh, you know, uh, Jadis called the helicopter people and said that she had an alpha and, uh, or what did she say? Was it alpha? An A or a B, right? A or a B, you're right. Yeah. So she had an A and then the helicopter people come and pick up her and Rick and then bugger off and that's it. Well, it is it. But we, even then we were told that, you know, Rick's not done with this story. We will get some resolution to that. Yes. In this show though, or in the movies, right? This is the same argument. It's, uh, they've teased us with this. It's even more egregious with Rick. With Michonne, it was just this last scene that was a bit confusing. But with Rick, they friggin', you know, beat us over the head with these helicopter people. And then- no resolution in the show. We have to wait for the movies yeah. to get that result. It's the same problem. Fair point. Very, very fair point. Well, what it means, people, is you're just going to all have to watch the movies if they ever come out. Well, and I think that's their point. Oh, is, yeah. Uh, if you want resolution to this shit, you have to pay attention to the wider universe and not just this show. So, Because we have other stuff going on, and we need eyeballs on that stuff in order to make money on that stuff. So uh, we're going to you know, try and direct your eyeballs over to there. We want some here. eyeballs. We want some eyeballs. 
We all want eyeballs. We certainly do. Uh, all right. Next up is a call from Designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Designer Will with feedback for the episode, What We Become. And I don't have a ton of points to really uh, pick apart or anything like that. But I will say that I just did not like this episode. I thought that they kind of skipped over a few crucial details, you know, uh, and Michonne's whole hallucinating sort of alternate reality sort of trip, I just didn't like it. I mean, that's, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I think it was something different, uh, but uh, I just can't say that I was engaged. I didn't enjoy it. I, I felt like it dragged on forever. So just to all offer an, uh, another perspective on it, um, just didn't didn't work for me. Now, it is crazy to think that Michonne's going to be leaving the show. I really, um, you know, have enjoyed seeing her around. It's There's going to be a void there for sure. I do think the way the show ended was very interesting with this potentially large group. But once again, um, just a really hard pill to swallow. Uh, like, I'm, I'm just not convinced that that large of a group could be, you know, just around the corner. And our our main group of characters who've been around for a decade haven't come across them. Uh, but I guess that's just where we have to kind of suspend our disbelief for the sake of the show to develop and have new surprises and stuff. So I'm interested to see where things go. And uh, the whole arc of this season has also been different than seasons past. So I'm interested to see if they really kind of stick the landing, so to speak. I'm, I'm curious to see how these last couple episodes wrap up even if we don't get the final season episode for a little while i'm eager to see where this goes anyway just thought i'd chime in since i had kind of a different perspective on the episode than uh, you guys did i think but uh until next time thank you guys very much awesome thanks will the concept of this giant group being there and them never running into them before is one that I think about sometimes a little bit. And, you know, with someone with a group like the Whisperers, you can argue that they weren't there the whole time and they've been moving around and they've recently moved into this area uh, because, you know, they walk with zombies, they pick them up, they um, increase their horde and stuff like that. This other group was on the move too. So I guess you could make that argument that they're just passing through and that's why we've never run into them before. But it is something I think about sometimes. Like if there are these other big communities out there presumably they're sending folks out into the world for supplies for whatever um you'd think you'd run into them after some point uh and they just haven't to this to this point but you know it is what it is i think will's right when he says you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit if they're going to bring in new communities yeah i don't think we have to suspend our disbelief too much though i mean it's been uh you know i've been basically working from home and not leaving the house for almost two weeks now and uh, there's, uh, you know, Toronto is just over, just over the horizon, like less than a couple of kilometers away is the beginning of 6 million people. And I haven't seen them in a long time, you know, there's, <laughs> and there's no them? reason for any of them. I, and there's no reason for me to, you know, where I sit right now, there's no reason if I didn't know they were all there, I wouldn't know they were there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and this is only the apocalypse light. This is not even a full on apocalypse yet. I mean, this is more of a situation than, uh, shit, it's a situation already. It's gone from, you know, event to, uh, to situation now. And what's the next level? Crisis? Crisis. Oh, maybe we're in a crisis. We might already be there, my friend. This is a level four issue. This, oh my goodness. Okay. So it's a long time since I thought about the zombie scale, but, uh, yeah. God. Okay. Yep. So this is a crisis. Right. Damn it. So we got a, 
shut this shit down <laughs> yeah. as, as anyway, fast as we can. So, you know, and these people are in a full-on zombie apocalypse. So, they, you know, somebody being a couple of kilometers away, they might as well be on the moon. Well, you would, you say that, but at this point, this many years in, I feel like traveling a few kilometers, a couple of miles, whatever, is no big deal for anybody anymore. Well, so, we don't know where Michonne is either, right? She, uh, she took a sailboat to an island and then a boat that they modded to, uh, uh, you know, add, I can't stop saying this. They added, you know, colorful fans and LEDs to the engine so that it could work better. And then <laughs> she went somewhere else, yeah. right? She went north. So she could be like, who knows how far she's gone? Yeah. I mean, it's been daylight the whole time, but we don't know that it's been one day. No, right. No, no. It might, it might be a while since she got dropped off. And so we're talking about the difference uh, there, you know, Alexandria is in and around Washington, DC. We know that, right? Yes. So if they've gone north, she could be in, uh, you know, Northern New York. I mean, she could, we don't know how far they sailed or piloted or rode on that boat. Right. Um, yeah. It, it's pretty hard to think that they're, She's still in country though, in the, in the country. Cause if she was on the ocean and she was going North, a lot of friggin' population up there or a lot of cities, yeah. you know, New York, Boston, there's, there's a lot like that's the, you know, the hub of where this whole friggin' continent started. Right. So yeah. finding wilderness up there right away is pretty rough. So maybe she's, maybe she's in PEI. <laughs> right? Maybe she's up in, in uh, you know, Newfoundland now. Maybe. So who knows didn't, where she is? Didn't really look like Newfoundland to me, but, uh, wow. you know, maybe, um, maybe New Hampshire, maybe Maine. I feel like yeah. that's kind of far away, but yeah. <laughs> could be. New Brunswick? Yeah. Could be New Brunswick. Yeah, it could be. There's lots of forest there. Yeah. Doesn't, so. Doesn't really look like the forest she was in though, but what are you going to do? I mean. Well, I mean, it was filmed in Atlanta and they're supposed to be in uh, Washington, D.C., right? So. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, uh, it could be more than a few kilometers. And like you said, they're all, they're passing through wherever they are. They're going from point A to point B. So hopefully, or maybe they have the provisions they need. I guess maybe they don't like an army marches on its stomach. Right. And as you move from place to place, carrying enough food and provisions to last you, uh, for that entire march is really untenable. So you'd, you'd have to do hunting and gathering and stuff along the way well either way they were on their on they were on the move at this point so yeah i guess it's not too crazy to think they have they didn't run into them especially if alexandria is inland a bit and they're right on the coast you know maybe michonne just got off that boat that day who knows time passage of time to that particular scene wasn't super clear so you're right she could be pretty far away at this point yeah okay so next we have an email from andy in west brom uk I thought the message we, we were meant to get from the books and the thing that Michonne noticed is that all the chairs bar one had books on them, i.e. only one person had been sitting out there. That's why she paused and asked where his family was. I can't answer why they're water were weatherproof, however. Yeah. So the weatherproof question, we just have to put aside, but I went back and checked and Andy's right. All the chairs had piles of books piled up on them, except one that looked like it was for sitting, for right. sitting. And, uh, with the, with the blankets on it, with the blankets on it. And that, that were also not rained on fine, but <laughs> who knows that, but that tipped Michonne off to that Virgil was there by himself and there were no other people, right? which, which is kind of a decent little detail point. I think that 
we glossed over or didn't even pick up on at all. No, obviously Michonne and Andy are smarter than we are. Well, clearly. I mean, I don't think we've ever gotten an email from someone who isn't smarter than we are, Jason. It's not that hard. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe one. Maybe one or two. It's been 10 years. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But uh, I don't know. It's it's probably not going to happen again. (laughs) Anyways, thank you for pointing that out, Andy. Uh, I think it was a a good catch on uh, on your part. So Paul in England writes in and says, this must, this might be a stretch, but could Michonne's use of the spoon in her final episode be a subtle reference to the way that character extracts revenge on Negan in the comics? Although I think Paul means on the governor in the comics. Yes. Well, yes. that's what, yeah, that's the, that's the image in my mind that I was trying to rectify. Because I you- think Paul does mean- You've read that part of the comics, right? I have. Yeah. She nailed his balls to the floor. Uh, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> used a spoon to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think maybe it could be, I think that's probably a good, also a good catch there, Paul, that the spoon was a little reference back to the comics to something that never happened in the same way on the TV show. Yeah. yeah. And you know what also is important to remember? What? There, there is no spoon. Oh, there's no spoon? Yeah. There's Cause it's no all spoon. a hallucination. Yeah, that's right. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was no spoon. All right, next we have an email, and I'm going to love saying this. Dan Durant, Iowa. Dan writes, Michonne uses the spoon to stab slash hit Virgil in the leg where Judas sliced him with her katana. That's why he's limping through uh, throughout the episode, and that's why he goes down so easily. So totally makes sense. I would completely forgot he has a leg injury because uh, Judith sliced him. And there's nothing more painful than ramming a spoon into an existing in- injury if you have a sliced leg. So I think Michonne was being smart here. It didn't matter what she grabbed. She knew she was going to hurt him if she went for the right spot. Yeah. Right? Well, okay, so that, that makes a lot more sense. The only issue I have with this email is that Judith has a wakasashi and not a katana. Uh, yes, of course. It's a mini katana. <laughs> is, it, is it fair to call it a mini katana? Well, it's derogatory. I'm I'm slightly offended, but it's okay. It's the same shape as a katana. It's just smaller. Exactly. <laughs> Mini <laughs> katana. It sounds but like it's the definition of it. Well, that's like calling a bastard sword a knife or the other way around, right? I have this, uh, I have a letter opener. I have a letter opener right over behind me that is shaped uh, exactly like a bastard sword. Actually, it's a claymore. Sorry. My apologies. Nobody's going to know. Nobody can see it. It's a claymore. And it's only about uh, six inches long, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call that a sword because it's shaped like a claymore. Well, I mean, would you be offended if I called a pony a mini horse? Well, no, because I'm not into horses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Swords I know about. I'm not so sure that's how that works, but anyways. <laughs> well, right. uh, well, pony is a mini horse. Yeah, I know. Just like a, whatever you called it is a mini katana. <laughs> Well, yes, but you know, if Dan had said with, uh, with her mini katana, I might be slightly less offended. Oh, I see. Cause he didn't even <laughs> say mini. All right. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I think we can move on from that. Uh, Micah from Landgraf, Netherlands, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, um, writes, the drawing on the phone is not Carl, but Judith. This means that the drawing was done recently. 
Plus, the fact that Rick's name is on it after he's been missing six years means a lot. It is a fresh trail, and it goes cold if Michonne, does, if Michonne goes back to Judith and RJ. So I understand that she wants to follow it, also knowing that the children will be all right. So Micah is justifying Michonne's decision to go after Rick um, because if she doesn't, she's going to lose that trail. It's going to go cold. So leaving her children behind is justified in order to potentially find Rick. Well, okay. So yes and no. So first of all, uh, how do we know it's Judith? Because you told me it was Carl and I believed you. Well, for some reason, I thought it was Carl. Um, The next email, if you want to jump to that right away, tells us how we know it's Judith. (laughs) Okay. So Jill in Chicago writes, the picture on the phone is Judith. This was confirmed by Gimple and Deny on the talking, or sorry, on Talking Dead. Uh, the phone is very confusing. It has been rumored again by Gimple, so this, so take that with a grain of salt. That perhaps this means that means that Rick has been watching them, but not in contact for some reason, perhaps to protect them from some unknown danger. All right. So apparently, I did not watch it, but apparently on AMC's Talking Dead show, Scott Gimple and Deny Guerrero were on there, and um, not only that, but, um, uh, Angela Kang has come out and said as much as well, but that the picture was supposed to be of Michonne and Judith and going back and looking at it, I'll be honest, it does look a lot more like Judith than okay. Carl to me now that I've looked at it in more detail. So, all right. So first of all, I feel a little bit vindicated and good. stupid that I just bought into what you said. And agreed with it <laughs> gotta, so, so gotta, immediately. Got to stand up for yourself, man. Well, I believed you. Oh, yeah. You know? And you didn't even have a pizza. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine if I had. You'd still be, you'd be arguing my side of it still. Um, okay, so the other thing I wanted to point out in Micah's email is that, uh, what trail exactly? She found a data point, right? I, Rick was here. Yes. Where's she going now? She's going north? Why is she going north? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is that a trail? Not really. That's not a trail. That's a, uh, you know, I found, I, I found this thing. That means that it means something. It means that Rick was here. I believe that Rick was on that boat. I mean, is there, First a, of, is there any indication of where the boat came from? Maybe that's the trail. Maybe the boat was stationed at some sort of naval base to the north. Therefore, well, it, she it washed ashore. Way. It just showed up on the island. Yeah, I know. Right? Uh, maybe, uh, oh, the logs. New the Jersey. Logs. The log. New Jersey, the logs. Yes. There we go. Okay. I answered my own question. She's following a trail. There's an actual trail. The trail might go cold. Micah, uh, you can stop yelling at the, uh, at the podcast for us missing the point. <laughs> and not just Micah, everyone else who was listening to. You see, Jason? They're all smarter than us. <laughs> yes. I've done that. I've yelled at podcasts before. Sure. <laughs> uh, when I know information that the podcasters don't know or can't recall immediately, but we got there. Uh, and yes, she's following a trail. That trail might go cold. Uh, abandon everybody that you hold dear and love in order to follow a trail of someone you hold dear and love. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad we established that because that would have bugged me if we'd just moved on. But I do want to talk more about Jill's email here and how uh, Gimple confirmed that it was Judith and also this idea that perhaps 
it means that Rick has been watching them, but not in contact for some reason. So I went looking for the source of this, which was Talking Dead, so it wasn't too hard to come by. But I found an article on comicbook.com that reported on some of the comments that he made on the show. And I'm going to read a couple paragraphs from the comicbook.com article here that explain it. So from comicbook.com, I can say that both Rick Grimes and Andrew Lincoln would not give up those boots very easily, Gimple said on Talking Dead. The etching, there's Japanese letters, there's Michonne, there's what looks to be a more current Judith than perhaps Rick is familiar with. Is he alive? Is he dead? What's his situation? All I can say is, obviously, those are clues that something's going on there. And that there's a whole story unfolding somewhere, added Gimple. And Michonne might be moving towards it. Asked why Rick would doodle Michonne and current-day Judith, who is six years older than when Rick last saw her, Gimple answered, I will say he doesn't necessarily... He doesn't need to have seen her recently. There's a little extrapolation that could be there too. I'm just saying. Picture satellites, uh, helicopters, telescopes. Somebody has seen her. Somebody's taken a picture. Um, I don't think that quite leads me to think that Rick has been watching them per se, as Jill said. But somehow he knows what she looks like. Um, Or... Or he's just drawn something and got lucky. (laughs) And learned Japanese. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. We don't know what the deal is with the Japanese uh, characters are. Why, why would, if he had a picture, why would he carve a new picture of that picture? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, was the picture on the phone? No, and it, he knew the battery was dying, and so he car he etched the glass so that he could continue to look at it, even though the phone battery died. I mean, that is a pretty it's a pretty old phone, so no, it couldn't have been on the phone. It's impossible. Well, it's a pretty old phone, but the you know the apocalypse happened in two thousand nine, ten, right? twenty ten, so, yeah. Well, whatever. So that phone is ten years old. Fine. Uh, so is the show. Or now it's, you know, farther in the future, but the technology at the time, that was the technology. Uh, anyway, that's, that's the only explanation I can think of is that the picture was on the phone and he knew that he had to uh, preserve that somehow. But that means- if he had a picture to go from, why would he just keep the picture? Right, of course. But I don't understand how the f- picture could have been on the phone. How would that phone have taken a picture of Judith and Michonne in current time? I have no idea. Impossible. I don't see it. It's not impossible. It's an iPhone, right? It's a smartphone. It has a camera. Who used it to take the picture? I don't know, but it's the only way I can explain it. Because if there's another picture, then why would he transpose the picture onto uh, the glass of a phone and not just keep the picture? Did he not have access to the picture? Was somebody only showing him the picture temporarily? Here, make a copy of this. I I understand Uh, your point. I get your point. Like if he had an actual photograph... Like he had a photograph. He didn't need to draw a picture. So bottom line is, I don't think he drew it, first of all. Um, okay. And it was left there. I mean, the show is probably going to come up with a way to tell us, explain that it was left there on purpose for some reason, but I can't think of it for now. And, you know, again, I'm not that smart. So I tend to think it was just a coincidence that it was there, but that just seems way too coincidental, right? Yeah. 
And and why draw why draw a picture on a phone, right? You'd yeah. think they would have some paper lying around, like the log books and a pencil where you could do some, you know, a, a pencil drawing. Yep. But, you know, doing it on the phone, I guess I'm sticking to this idea of the picture was on the phone and he wanted to preserve it. So that that's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right. Well, I'm I'm anxious to find out. Hopefully we do what the deal here is, what the story is. But bottom line is Gimple is being weirdly um, forthcoming, but also very confusing in what he says. You know, he says it doesn't, he doesn't, Rick doesn't need to have seen her recently. There's an extrapolation that could be there too, as in there's something more to this. You should be able to figure it out. Um, And whether it's Rick has been watching them, so he has seen Judith recently, or somebody's been watching them and either took a picture or, or somebody else scratched that into the phone and left it there. Right. Or somebody could take a picture and then email it to him. <laughs> well, maybe airdrop. <laughs> Except I don't think a phone that old supports airdrop. <laughs> Who knows? No. They could have, you know, manually transferred it from uh, using a computer of some kind. Anyway, there's, I, I just, I'm not sure what's going on. And uh, did somebody say somewhere Rick's name was on this stuff? Yeah, Rick's name was there too. It said Rick. Where was Rick's name? Well, if you look at the video, it's right there at the top. It's, I think it's above the Japanese characters. Oh, okay. Well, there it is. Yeah. I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at the pictures. Right. Well, it's there. It is there. His name's there. The characters are there and the drawing is there. Yeah. That, that has, has to do with my brain. Unless the text is in like perfectly readable font, my brain won't read it. Right. It, it, like if it's script or some kind of stylized font, uh, I have to, I have to do a willpower check to to read that text. Well, go back and look at the video because I think his name was pretty clear on there. All right. Well, I mean, Either obviously I, f- I failed that willpower check regardless. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, just like brain scanned over. I don't see ads on... Uh, computer screens or TV screens either. My brain just doesn't see them. Like if you pop up a, an ad on the on the screen somewhere, I don't read them. My brain just does it. I have my own AdSense in, built in. You're so see them. you're so immune to it. Yeah, I have an ad blocker running most of the time. In your brain though? N- no, no. On you know, in my browser. <laughs> yeah, my my brain. It's my brain that I use. All right, good. Harness <laughs> that. See if you can sell it to other people. You'll be a millionaire. Yeah, this is the whole problem. I I think I mentioned last time of not. Noticing things uh-huh. that are readily apparent. Okay. I have an issue. <laughs> All right. I've the, gotten, I've taken, people have taken a swing at me for this. You know what though, man, you, you, you may not notice things, but you do notice stuff like why the books aren't waterlogged. <laughs> Nobody else notices. Well, that don't make no sense. You're a, you're an interesting character. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it, uh, I choose to see things. Differently. The way you do. Yes. Exactly. That's fine. And ignore ignore the plain and obvious. All right. Is it my turn now? It sure is. Okay. The next email comes from Kier on the internet. And Kier writes, well, it's a two-parter. I'm going to read the first part. Maybe we comment on that and then the second part. So here's part one. I wanted to comment on you questioning Rick sketching on that phone and how he would know that Judith looked like that. Here we go, Jason. Okay. Excellent. But was it Rick? Remember when Anne slash Jadis was last with Rick and she was an artist? She would create portraits for people of their loved ones based on their memories. Judith would wear Carl's hat even as a little toddler. Maybe she created a memento for Rick to imagine her growing up with Michonne. There's no RJ in the picture, so I have to think it was an idea of an older Judith and not that he somehow has seen her over the years. So we didn't 
remember that Jadis was there. Jadis is the artist. And in fact, a few podcasts ago, I couldn't remember who did all the paintings in Hilltop. And I said, was it Tara? Oh, right. No, it was not Tara. Thank you. It was Jadis. And she did indeed paint people who she never met. So right. um, maybe Jadis painted or sketched this little thing on the phone for some reason. Maybe she's the one who's been coming back and keeping tabs on people. Right. And she speaks Japanese or is able to write Japanese. So she wrote the Japanese characters. Maybe she put this on a phone as uh, a memento to give to Rick because everybody, you know, uh, maybe, maybe more so now than back in 2010, but uh, everybody likes to carry a phone with them, right? Yeah. Like, when was the last time you left the house? Uh, sorry, everyone's last time you left the house without your phone. Uh, I only, uh, it's happened like once in five years because I forgot it. Yeah, it's never happened to me since I got an iPhone. There Not you go. once. Well, you're I lucky. may have left it in the basement and gone upstairs and been like, oh, my phone's all the way downstairs, but that's as bad as it gets. Right, okay. Well, um, I think this may be one step towards explaining it, that Jadis is involved here somehow. Uh, but again, it just makes me even more curious to find out what's going on and I hope maybe, someday we do. Yeah. Maybe Jadis is going back and forth to Alexandria to Hilltop and stuff and she's looking for A's, but all she can find is B's. When you say that, yeah, maybe, but when you say Jadis speaks or writes Japanese, you're just saying that, right? Do we I know am that? just saying that. No, we don't know that. Okay. She spoke very weirdly in the first few episodes. Uh, it's true. You know, remember that, that? That was weird. So we don't know her backstory, really. There's no reason to think she wouldn't be able to write Japanese. But Rick, on the other hand, we've known him for a lot longer, and we know his backstory. Right. You know, there's no reason to think he does write Japanese. Okay. Fair so enough. it's it's a matter of what my uh, what I assume the default is for each person based on uh, their history. Jadis, I assume she writes Japanese. Okay, fair. Maybe she does, and I yeah. bet, I bet you we're gonna find out she does. <laughs> yeah, and and Korean, because why, why not? not? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the second part of Kier's message here, which actually came before this part in his original email, but I moved things around. So sorry, Kier. Part two. The redeeming threads of this episode were, of course, Thanai Gurira's acting and the alternate reality Michonne. This was interesting and well done. Judith recently told Mary she just met the wrong people first. Maggie told Rick once that Glenn saving him started everything they built. And likewise, Michonne saving Andrea was her coin flip with good and evil. I love that she wrestled with her actions over the years. In seasons eight and nine, she kept assuring Rick they were the good guys. And I liked that point because it sort of reminded me that this sort of thing has been a theme on the show before. And um, it was just more, much more obviously portrayed in the flashback of, or sort of the alternate history flashback that we got. But it's not the first time that people have questioned, you know, what's good, what's bad, who, who's good, who's bad. And, you know, the idea that one situation or one event can set you on a path that leads to very, very different outcomes. Yeah. I wonder if there's a coin flip in my life that could change the outcome of how much of an asshole I am and how much of a bad guy I am based on one single event. Well, it could be. You got to go back and figure out what that event is. Yeah. And am I the good guy now or am I the bad guy? Don't know. I think I'm the good guy, but- you know, a lot of most people think they're the good guy. Mm-hmm. Few few people think they're the bad guy and know that they're they're the bad guy, and they do it anyway. But anyway, uh, 
yeah, you know, the coin flip, they, it has been something that's shown up in the show before, and it was very interesting to see. Uh, and I would like to see that in my life, to see if I could do the flashback and see what that alternate reality would be like. Maybe I should start, start taking hallucinogenic drugs. I don't you see know? what could go wrong with that. Yeah. I'll just, can you order LSD on Amazon? I don't think that's a thing. No, no. You can Probably get all, on eBay though, right? <laughs> you can get all the cannabis you want in Canada, but uh, that's about it, I think. Yeah. You know, in overall, one of the things that I want when I die is I want to see my stats, how many steps I've taken, uh, you know, things like that. How many people have, uh, you know, that I've been infatuated with that were actually infatuated with me, but I didn't make a move. So nothing happened, you know? I mean, how many times you want to know the basics? Like how many, how many times did you say the word hi or, uh, how many meals did you eat? I want to, yeah, I want a distribution on letters that I've said. Sure. Total hours asleep, total hours on the can, stuff like that. How many, many, well, how many miles of poop, right? (laughs) No, I don't think I How many feet? You know, in, you know, video games, how many steps I've taken, how long I've walked, how long I've swam, uh, how long I've flown, uh, how many birds I've killed. I don't know. Probably more than one. I don't know. know, Have I ever caused the death of somebody and not known it? You know, I don't want to know that shit now. I want to wait till I'm dead and then find out, you know, was there a defining moment in my life that if uh, a coin flip had gone the other way, that uh, would have made me a drastically different person? Well, those are the kind of stats you need to know after you die. I will never know that stuff. It will never come up. How can you possibly know that? You can't know that. It's impossible. Unless all of our uh, reality is actually uh, a simulation. Well, that's something else I'd like to know too but probably yeah. won't find out. It might be. You know, as we, you know, discern uh, super collider, superconducting super collider, uh-huh. uh, as we discover, or, you know, not discover, but as we investigate the very foundations of the universe, eventually, are we ever going to find a pixel? It's like, nope, that's it. That's a pixel. You can't get any smaller than that. That's just, you know, the basic building block of this universe. Uh, that means the universe ends here and that's a pixel mm-hmm. as in you know one one unit unit of universe yeah this is one unit of universe if we ever find that point the universe is a simulation huh. you know if we keep di- delving and delving and delving and never find the bottom uh then uh then the universe is real for and another example of that is if we ever f- reach the end of pi like people are calculating pi on a regular basis it's a non-repeating never-ending number if it ever gets to the point where it's just all zeros from that point forward you know that means that pi ends at some point and the universe is not real well i kind of hope we never get to the end of pi then whether well, i'm calculating well, the number or i'm eating the Cherry, delicious cherry pie that I have. <laughs> yeah, all the pie. Yeah. I want all the pie to never end. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's the shit I think about. It's pretty deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Are we uh, moving on? Yeah, we are moving on. All right, next we have an email from Christian in Spokane. I know that Chris praised Michonne's dream sequence as some of the best work The Walking Dead has done in a while. I wanted to present to you a dissenting view. The idea of revisiting the past seasons felt unoriginal to me. Did we also get, uh, didn't we also get flashbacks to the past seasons for Rick's goodbye episode in season nine? I couldn't help but roll my eyes. Maybe these flashbacks colored my view of the episode to the point where I was a bit jaded, but I have to say that the visual effects that blended Michonne with the past footage 
weren't that good to begin with. My television is pretty average, and I could tell that she wasn't really there, especially in the face-to-face scenes with Andrew Lincoln. And to cap it off, I was disappointed to not have seen any credit for the former cast members featured on the episode. TV shows reuse footage without giving credit all the time, especially for previously on segments or flashbacks. I imagine their contracts must allow this, but as a fan, I would have loved to have seen the actors acknowledged at least with a special thanks. I can agree with that, that it would have been nice to see their names in the end credits or something like that. But I think you're right, Christian. They're probably allowed to use any footage they have at any point in the run of a TV show. It's just the way it works. But yeah, it's the way on. Facebook works too, right? You post an image on Facebook, they own the image. Is that still true? I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't put anything on Facebook in a long time that unrelated to this podcast. So, yeah, I don't know. Facebook and Twitter's still a thing, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I have to check. Okay. I don't know. Well, you'd probably hear if Twitter suddenly disappeared. <laughs> but the effects, Christian, I don't know, man. I thought they were great. I thought it was pretty seamless. Um, I may have low um, tolerance or, I don't know, high tolerance for bad effects or something like that. Um, but I thought they did a great job. I Michonne, it really felt like she was there and looking right at Rick and... And the stuff they did with Rick using the old scene of him shooting Sophia and updating it to look like older Rick, I think it looked really good. So um, I respect your feelings about how maybe the flashbacks didn't work so well or were a little bit repetitive for the show, but I disagree that the effects were bad. Well, Christian might have better eyesight than you or me at this point, right? You have glasses. I have glasses. I watch TV. I watched it on my screen. I couldn't, I thought it was well done, but. Uh, first of all, we've established my, uh, credibility when it comes to noticing shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's spotty at best, (laughs) uh, inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, so I accepted it, but my eyes are uh, not as good as it was. And I'll probably, uh, you know, if I get a 4k television, which I might do, it's probably going to be because I can't get anything else now. Yep. Cause you know, buying a 1080p television, probably pretty hard these days. Uh, but if I get a 4k television, you know, I'll watch stuff in 4K if it happens to be on, but I won't care. No. I, I simply I simply won't. 1080p is fine, for, and, and that just kind of shows my age, right? This technology that's coming up today, I don't need that. You know, the technology from 10 years ago, that's fine. <laughs> totally fine. It's, it's fine. I mean, 1080p is the peak of video quality. Why would you ever want any more than that? Well, I don't know if I agree with that, but you know, me personally, I, I probably don't give a shit about uh, you know, if I walked into somebody's house and they had like a, you know, a 72 inch 4k or 8k television, 3d, whatever surround bullshit. And they threw on a, you know, uh, an episode of something that was pristine and awesome and, uh, super cool. I'd be like, Whoa, that's pretty. And then forget about it. Like five minutes later, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's not worth spending money on. So when I see stuff like Michonne and Rick face to face, I, I maybe I'm jaded, maybe I don't notice, maybe I don't care, maybe my eyesight's bad, but I just accept it and go, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it looked really good, and I have a 4K TV, 65 inch 4K TV. You know how much 4K content I've watched on it? Seven. <laughs> About that. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I first got it, I fired up YouTube and went looked for 4K streaming video. Obviously, that is not the same as like a 4K Blu-ray or something like that, but technically it is 4K. That's it. That's the only 4K content I've ever watched, unless like Netflix or somebody has streamed me 4K and I didn't realize it. (laughs) 
and therefore did not care. Therefore did not care. I, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't care that much. I feel like 1080p looks just fine on there, but you know what? I got 45-year-old eyes that wear glasses. To be fair, they're new glasses, so they should be working pretty well, but um, still, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Does Netflix stream 4K? I believe so. Yeah, certain things. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe I should get a 4K television. Go for it. My, Go. my TV's pretty old. It's like uh, it's like 15 years old now. That is ancient, right? man. My TV's and, like four months old. Yeah, and if you leave anything, any image on the screen for more than three or four seconds, it burns in for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, jeez, so, it's time. I, and it it weighs something like 200 pounds. It's a it's you know it's a an LED television, but it's fucking huge. All right, well it's time for a new one. So uh, well, don't go out now, now and buy it because yeah, you're what not am I going to do now? But yeah. sometime in the near future, you can celebrate yeah. unquarantining yourself by buying a new TV and staying home and watching 4K content. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, next up is uh, Kyle in Indiana. Kyle writes, "This episode was a great." was great and really emphasized the impact of one choice and how it can change everything. The episode showed, shows us that by letting Andrea die, Michonne never met the group. She joined Negan as his second in command and was killed by Rick in all out war. All of this makes her decision to search for Rick even more important because of the impact bringing him back could have. My question for you guys is, does Judith know that Alpha is dead, <laughs> or is she just saying she, quote, isn't a problem because most of the Horde was killed in the battle? So, um, kind of related points there. Uh, bringing yeah. Rick back is, is important, absolutely. But I want to focus on the second one about, um, does Judith know that Alpha is dead? She must, right, when talking to yes. Michonne? Yes, because we've also, we've talked previously about an unknown time period of, has passed. Right, Michonne was on the boat. Now she's not on the boat. Michonne had some uh, uh, zombie pets. Uh, she doesn't have zombie pets anymore. But she uh, she radioed Judith while she was on the boat. So that is as okay, soon so as possible after leaving the island. Well, you would think as soon as she got was able to establish communication. True. True. Yeah. So uh, who knows uh, how much time has passed? But I personally believe that Judith did know that Alpha is dead. That uh, whenever uh, we find out, I assume in the next episode, uh, that, uh, you know, we we see this part of the story where uh, Negan and Carol uh, tell everybody that, that she's dead or have the, the head, um, that the communication between Judith and Michonne takes place after that. I'm going to think so, too. I would, I would, I would be shocked if... Judith says something like Alpha's not going to be a problem anymore um, and, and doesn't know that she's dead. So I think, yeah. we, I think we can safely assume that. And uh, I don't even think the show is going to make a big deal out of it. We're just going to go into next week's episode, assuming that everybody knows this now. And if not, it will be, as you said, Carol and Negan showing up back there with her head in a bag and everyone goes, oh my God, how did you do that? And then they're either upset or they're not. Right. So... Yeah, I, I, I think she knows, um, and uh, we'll probably just move on from there. All right, for our last email, and this is a long one, uh, we have John in Boston, Massachusetts. John writes, Michonne is gone, and another era of The Walking Dead comes to a sad and oddly unsatisfying close. Some of what happens in this episode is hinted at by the name of her guide, Virgil. 
In case you missed it, Virgil is the name of the ancient Roman poet poet who guides Dante on his trip through hell in Dante's Inferno. At the entrance to hell is a sign, abandon abandon hope all ye who enter here. When they first arrive at the island, Virgil and Michonne pass a sign, unexploded ordinance. Although very different, each of these poses an ominous warning. Like Jason, I found myself wondering if most of what happens on the island was a dream or a hallucination. The piles of books that seem unaffected by weather, the captives that are clean and well-fed despite having been left alone for countless days, the ship that has been abandoned and appears to be a derelict but can be modded to take them ashore. None of it seems to uh, be very believable or to make much sense, even less so when Michonne finds an image of herself in the least, least likely of places. In fact, were it not for her conversation with Judas, Judas and RJ, I would have suspected that Michonne had died and we were seeing her journey through hell and purgatory a bit lost-like. That was apparently not the case. As much as I like the alternate reality sequence, I find the way that Michonne was written out objectionable. I had trouble be- believing that she would leave Judith to go with Virgil in the first place. Now we're being asked to believe that she would abandon both her children to go on a wild goose chase, goose chase alone with barely the slightest hint of where to begin her search. As Jason might say, I call bullshit. As lo- I have long had a problem with the way the show has written out characters for professional reasons. Uh, Dale's powerful death uh, being one, the one real exception. I scoffed at Sasha's ridiculous suicide. I disliked Heath's unexplained disappearance. I think, uh, I think it would have been preferable if they'd simply killed the minor character, Connie, after her, uh, after, uh, rather than trap her in those annoying caves. And I still find Rick's departure silly and convoluted and unbelievable, uh, leaving only a bit of hope that any future movies might change my mind. But thus is the mixed bag The Walking Dead has become. Uh, Scenes that make no sense, everybody rushing into the cave, uh, Alden not shooting Beta when he had the chance, and a few truly great moments, Negan beheading Alpha, Michonne becoming a savior. I am still along for the ride. I just wish there were fewer moments uh, when I find myself explaining, oh, come the fuck on. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, John, for that. And I kind of wanted to give John the last word here, uh, even though he was you know, a little bit, bit negative. That's totally fine. I can, I can understand that. And I think he makes a lot of good points here. Um, some stuff is just difficult to swallow occasionally on the walking dead. And the thing about it is, you know, I think despite all of this, it's still for me anyways. And I think for a lot of people, some of the most entertaining tv out there is it the best tv probably not no i mean there's a bunch of shows that i've watched you know in the last 10 years that i would say eclipse the walking dead and that i would say i actually like better but i still am so attached to this one i get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of entertainment out of it and i still find plenty more to like than dislike especially recently and especially before seasons seven and eight. So I think that's likely the case for most of us who've been watching it from the beginning. And, you know, I hope so. I hope no one's watching it, like hate watching it. That's not going to be fun, or maybe it is. I don't know, but I'm certainly not doing that. And uh, despite some of these things, it brings me a lot of entertainment and joy still. So hopefully it does for you too. It does. It's like an old pair of shoes. 
right? I mean, sure, these shoes, uh, I've worn them and they're comfortable and I like them and I would wear them to bed if I could, uh, but that'd be gross. Yep. Uh, but there are other shoes out there that are fancier, that are nicer, that are better technology that probably I would like more, but they're not my old comfy pair of shoes. I have an intimate relationship with these pair of shoes. When I put them on, I feel happy. I, I go outside and I think that, uh, every, you know, the world is okay. Uh, when I walk around in these comfortable old shoes. Uh, so that's what the show is like, is that, uh, sure. I agree with you that there's other stuff I've seen in the last 10 years that I thought, shit, this is a really good, uh, you know, we should be podcasting about this. I've thought that more often than I like to think about, but, uh, you know, I have a relationship with this show that, uh, goes beyond just, uh, uh what I enjoy about it. And I do enjoy it. Yeah. It's just, uh. You know, there's this, uh, this sense of community that we have with our listeners, I think is, uh, brings me more joy in a television show than just watching any other television show. Yeah, absolutely. For example. Yep. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say just to pivot a little bit is that, uh, John mentioned, uh, that, uh, he have long, he, I have long had a problem with the way the show has written out characters for professional reasons. Mm-hmm. I need more information, John. I, I assume you're a writer of some kind because there's some stuff. I really like the way this, uh, this email was, uh, was structured. There's some really, uh, you know, poetic phrasing, 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 phraseology yeah. in here. Like, uh, this sentence, in fact, were it not for her conversations with Judith and RJ, you know, that's just, that's phrased really nicely, nicely, or I have long had a problem. And then this one line, which I think could probably be put onto, uh, a t-shirt. But thus is the mixed bag The Walking Dead has become. It's good. It's good. Right? I like so, that. <laughs> I assume, John, you're a writer of some kind. Uh, I would like to know more. And when you say written out characters for professional reasons, do you write for TV? No, I can explain that. He means that oh. characters have been written off the show because they've gotten other jobs, other professional work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I see. I was, uh, you know, hanging on to the, I have long had a problem. And then phrase the, you know, at the end of that was for professional reasons. Yeah. No. Yeah. His, his, they're not his reasons. The reasons are, are, for example, um, uh. Denai Guerrero moving on. Moving on uh, because she's a big Sasha, movie star. Sasha. Moving on to Star Trek. Yes. Connie, um, moving on to the other Marvel TV show. So they've gotten other jobs. Maggie got a new, uh, Lauren Cohen got a, got a new job on a show that is canceled for a, now, which is why yeah, she's for a coming while back. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. In fact, many of the characters that have left the show have been for their career reasons, professional reasons. So, gotcha. So, uh, the problem is not John with the way you wrote the sentence. Obviously, it makes you know excellent sense. It's just uh, the English is such a bastard of a language that uh, it doesn't have proper structure to be able to figure this shit out. Well, Jason quite, hasn't quite mastered it yet. <laughs> well, no, I've got, still got some time though. <laughs> yeah, I hope you do. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you about though is what uh, John's take on the sign on the fence um, and about how it reminded him of uh, abandoned hope, all ye who enter here, you know, in Dante's Inferno. And it was just kind of a sign being like unexploded ordinance, watch your shit. <laughs> yeah. Obviously John is well read as well. Uh -huh. Like I've, I've, uh, I've, I think we mentioned it before that I've uh, read Inferno by uh, Jerry Pornell and Larry Niven. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was just Larry Niven. Forgive me. I forget. I don't have the information at my fingertips, but the, the you know, the guy that uh, helps, uh, helps this character go through uh, hell is not Virgil. And obviously it makes sense that in Dante's Inferno, Virgil being this guy and this sign, uh, you know, abandon all hope ye who enter, uh, makes sense. 
and this sign unexploded ordinance, even though it makes no sense because, you know, why would there be unexploded ordinance in this building? But we've covered that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can see the parallels with Dante's Infernal and living through hell and Michelle mentioning that she, you know, what she saw was hell. Michonne. Michelle? Michelle? You said Michelle. Michonne. <laughs> you sure Michonne isn't short for Michelle? Did I say Michelle? I think so. Yes. Luckily we have uh, it on tape. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So luckily my mouth is not directly attached to my brain, only, you know, coincidentally. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I thought that's a really nice parallel. Thanks John for pointing that out. Yeah. And if you, if you just think of that sign as more poetic than anything else, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a sign kind of presenting a warning and it could have said anything almost just be careful. Okay. So here's another take on it. If Dante and Virgil were entering hell and they saw the sign, abandon all hope, or abandon hope all ye who enter here, they're already in hell, right? Well, they're entering, they're on their way in. It's like, you have to abandon hope if you step through this threshold, because now yeah. you're going into hell. But they're, they're dead, I assume. Like I've never read Dante's Inferno, but in order to get to hell, you have to die, Right. Well, I don't think so in this context, but anyways. Well, here's my question is that she saw the sign, which makes me think she's already entering hell. She is already drugged. This is not reality. This is hell. She said that, what did she see when she was, when she took the drug? I saw hell. Yeah. This is part of it. Well, I think now you're connecting it too strongly to Dante's Inferno, but I see what you're, I see where you're going. I just, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just going where John pointed me. Yeah. Well, John, appreciate the email, man. It was, uh, it was, um, really, really fascinating to read. And I think you made a lot of good points. So yeah. Uh, come the fuck on, as he says. (laughs) (laughs) Good way to end it. Yeah. And that is going to end our podcast for the evening. Everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, If you would like to help support what we do here, we would very, very much appreciate it. You can do that by checking us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can become a, uh, or you can leave, give us a monthly pledge there, which is fantastic. If that's not your thing, visit the website talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal, and you can do a one-time contribution and all the funds collected go into the costs associated with putting on the show and uh, our time and stuff like that. So um, certainly there's no requirement to do that. There never will be. And what's with what's going on in the world right now, um, maybe now is not the time to be asking for that sort of contribution. So certainly don't feel that it's necessary or, um, you know, don't bring any hardship upon your life by sending money our way. Now is not the time for that. Um, But if you do have some spare cash, we very, very much appreciate it. And uh, maybe sometime in the future, too, you will. All right. So next week's episode of The Walking Dead, Jason, is called Look at the Flowers. Oh, man. And yeah, just before we finish here, uh, I saved this. Chris in the UK wrote, the next episode is called Look at the Flowers. I am desperately hoping Judith, RJ, Adam, and all of Jerry's kids don't even appear in this one. This, that's more of an ominous title than uh, having uh, a title of the show that, you know, one of the main characters is going to die. Well, it's, it, why don't they? Yeah. I, if the title was Daryl Dixon Dies, I mean, <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad. But look at the flowers. Oh, man. We know what that means. What was that episode called where she said, look at the flowers? Was that also called look at the flowers? Nope. 
that can't be that can't be right. No, I can't remember what that episode is called right now, but I mean, we certainly know what that phrase means and uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah. It, it, she already it, caused the death of somebody. What the hell more can she do? It's almost too on the nose. You know what I mean? Like they're using this going, okay, everyone's going to know what that means and then they're going to subvert it somehow. So that's kind of what I expect, but um but who knows? For now, yeah. it makes me nervous. All right. So they could have named the episode uh, Walking Dead Fans or Dorks. They could have, it yeah. It would be cl- pretty close to the same thing. I mean, they'd be talking about us mostly, but yeah. No, I, no, I understand. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, they're referencing the Walking Dead fans and how, how nerdy they are. Uh, so they could have called it that and it would have been, is that, that what you're saying is that's what this title means and not uh, somebody's going to die and Carol's going to kill them? I'm I'm just saying that we know what look at the flowers means within the context of, of the walking dead and they know that we know that. So if they know that we know, and we know that they know, then who knows what we know that they know that we know, right? I know. I know. Okay. Perfect. Anyways, if you want to do a title read, and I think some people are going to want to, please record yourself reading that title, look at the flowers, send it in, and I will play as many as I can with next week's episode of the podcast. Cool. And how, how might you do that? You ask, well, you can go to our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top and sending in a message that way, not just title reads, but anything you want to say. You can also use your phone voice memo app to record yourself. That generally gives pretty good quality. Uh, and you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Comments, emails, or audio files, anything like that. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. So thanks everyone for sending in your comments. I thought that was a really great uh, round of feedback and, and provided a lot of uh, amazing insight into this episode, Michonne's final one. So, you know, here's looking, uh, here's looking for more like that in the future. It was awesome. But uh, we have the next episode coming up, which we will recap on next Tuesday evening. And uh, looking forward to that too. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.